This is the sound of turning ideas into software. This is the sound of engineering and passion. Work. Work more. Work harder. Experiment. Build. Break. And build again. Write code. Improve it. Job done. Celebrate. Insurance. Finance. Retail. Defense. Robotics. Energy. Amethyx. And welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of Brussels in Belgium. Today, I want to cover an important and also very interesting uh, method that allows one to reconstruct a 3D model of an object or whatever is framed in a picture, uh, starting from a, a two-dimensional image. Uh, and this is some, you know, one of the most tedious tasks in computer vision, that is uh, having a camera and, um, uh, you know, having some kind of world representation from the camera or just, you know, frames that are recorded from this camera and trying to uh, rebuild a uh, three-dimensional world from the actual world that we are picturing. Uh, this is a very important task in uh, computer vision, um, and it's an application that, of course, uh, can be used in uh, several sectors, in particular uh, in robotics and, of course, uh, also autonomous driving. And why is that? Is because, well, a an agent, a robot, a vehicle that is driving, essentially would like to have a, uh, let's say, additional information uh, about, for example, the depth where uh, the objects that are being framed uh, are. And uh, in order to take decisions that are, you know, much more uh, sophisticated uh, with respect to decisions that one can take by simply observing a picture, uh, knowing the 3D map of uh, an image uh, is essential because um, it also increases exponentially the, re the reliability of that particular decision. And so think about obstacle avoidance uh, in which, uh, of course, the object is at a particular uh, distance from the, from the camera, from the you know, point of view uh, of, the, uh, of the robot. And, of course, the robot can understand how far that particular object is, uh, even without knowing what type of object is that. Because uh, when it comes to obstacle detection, probably one is much more focused on understanding how far that particular object is from me rather than if that's a chair or a car. You know, it is something that has to be avoided anyway. So um, it's no longer uh, recognizing the object, but um, estimating the depth of that particular object from my point of view. Now, there is, of course, hardware that allows one to uh, calculate or estimate uh, or even measure the, um, the depth of, uh, of objects in an image. Um, and most of the time, uh, you know, these are relatively complex pieces of hardware uh, that can be quite expensive, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, building uh, robotics, you know, in, in large scale. Um, and, for example, we have been... Uh, covering a number of times already the LiDAR sensor uh, that, of course, allows you to measure uh, a point cloud or, or calculate a point cloud from the image. And from this point cloud, of course, one can reconstruct the, uh, let's say, 3D representation of the world with depth, of course, included. Uh, there are also cameras that are designed to uh, measure the so-called depth component. And these cameras usually go under the name of RGBD camera, which stands for, you know, the RGBD 
uh, triplet like uh, red, green, blue, um, which indicates, of course, the, the, the color of the pixel at a particular uh, two-dimensional position on the, in the image. Uh, and then the third component, which is the D, that indeed stands for depth. Now, as I said, uh, this cameras this you know type of hardware exists and of course it's much more expensive than uh, for example a regular camera that one would you know even an high resolution camera that is now kind of off the shelf um, but it's not just a matter of the costs um, it's uh, also a matter of the size so usually the form factor uh, of uh, of these uh, devices is much much bigger than uh, the equivalent camera uh, or the equivalent sensor that uh, you know kind of tries to give the same information uh, via software estimation so sometimes the you know size can become a prohibitive factor uh, in especially several robotics applications it's absolutely a no go increasing the payload for example of a particular robot that is probably already loaded with other things, other sensors or, or compute units and, you know, adding an additional payload uh, to calculate the or to measure the depth of objects, though very important, uh, can become prohibitive. Uh, and last but not least, um, many of these, you know, hardware supported capabilities that, uh, of course, are already there um, and can be purchased as, you know, black boxes. Um, sometimes it's much, much, you know, better, uh, of course, under certain constraint uh, to um, estimate these kind of measures uh, via software uh, because, you know, software is cheap in a way. So uh, if one does things right and uh, if one calculates, you know, the uh, or accepts some sort of computational complexity in an already complex workflow or pipeline, uh, well, one can definitely consider uh, to estimate the depth via uh, software algorithms, uh, via algorithms, in fact, and, uh, uh, you know, have an estimate that for that particular application, for that particular use case, is, you know, probably not uh, super exact, super sharp, but it's good enough uh, considering the fact that the payload of the vehicle or the robot is pretty much, you know, unchanged because we're running software. Uh, the costs of implementing that particular uh, solution is uh, pretty much, you know, zero in terms of, you know, purchasing new hardware, because again, we are uh, building the same solution in software. And now let me tell you something important. Cyber criminals are evolving. Their techniques and tactics are more advanced, intricate, and dangerous than ever before. Industries and governments around the world are fighting back, unveiling new regulations meant to better protect data against this rising threat. Today, the world of cybersecurity compliance is a complex one, and understanding the requirements your organization must adhere to can be a daunting task. But not when the pack has your back. Arctic Wolf, the leader in security operations, is on a mission to end cyber risk by giving organizations the protection, information, and confidence they need to protect their people, technology, and data. Their new interactive compliance portal helps you discover the regulations in your region and industry and start the journey toward achieving and maintaining compliance. Visit arcticwolf.com slash data science to take your first step. That's arcticwolf.com slash data science.
So what are the three steps that one should undergo uh, when uh, we want to do depth estimation uh, with uh, uh, an algorithm? Well, the purpose of this episode is not to explain depth estimation. That's like kind of the first step. The purpose of this episode is um, explaining how can one start from a two-dimensional image, uh, so the regular XY image, um, with a particular resolution and number of channels, uh, you know, all the things that we know about images, and calculate the uh, 3D representation of that image. Okay, So essentially calculating the 3D model of the world that is being uh, framed in the picture. Uh, so the very first step that, you know, we should all start is, uh, as I said, depth estimation. And uh, of course, Let's assume that we don't have a piece of hardware that allows to, you know, a device that a dedicated device that allows us to uh, measure the depth, as, the, the depth of the of a particular pixel or a bunch of pixels, but we want to do that in software. Well, if you want to do that in software, it means that uh, we have to uh, consider one of the many models that are out there, and I will expand on it in a minute. Um, it's essentially a hierarchical mixed transformer, so a deep learning, you know, from the family of deep learning models um, that uh, uh, goes under the name of GLPN. I'll give you a bit more details uh, in a minute. Uh, then the second step is, of course, the point cloud construction. So what is that? Is that, uh, well, the model, what the model does in the first step is estimation of the depth, which means that a depth map is essentially generated from uh, the original image, from the input image, which is a regular RGB image, right? So in this map, um, we have essentially an estimate of the depth as the model is telling us. Uh, now, this uh, third, uh, you know, uh, component of the of the image uh, is essential to calculate uh, the so-called point cloud. Uh, so this depth map is converted into a point cloud. And point cloud here is pretty similar to uh, what, for example, a LiDAR sensor would give you. Uh, indeed, it's called point cloud as well. Uh, and again, as we have discussed this in a previous episodes um, on this show, uh, essentially the point cloud is um, a cloud of points uh, that represent, um, you know, the that that annotate, in fact, the pixels of the uh, input image with this third component, which is the estimated depth. Now, even in front of a point cloud, uh, we still don't have a uh, let's say representation of the world in 3D. We just have a cloud of points uh, that are pretty much scattered in a um, you know, correlated fashion, depending on the objects that are in the scene. But still, we don't have a 3D model yet, right? Uh, we would have a 3D model uh, after, you know, with the, the third step, in fact, uh, which is uh, the step in which we generate a mesh. Uh, and so what is a mesh? The mesh is uh, a, um, a series of um, usually triangles or polygon polygons that are, uh, you know, connect you know obtained by connecting the the point clouds uh in the point cloud construction uh, step and uh, essentially um once the mesh is generated we have uh, to use what we call uh, surface reconstruction algorithms that essentially reconstruct 
the surface by you know connecting like in one of those old games uh, uh, that we were used to buy in the 90s uh, on, on magazines on magazines uh, about you know connected points and uh, uh, visualizing some sort of surface or usually it was like a 2d uh, two-dimensional drawing well in this case it's gonna be a series of triangles in case of a triangle mesh or polygons in general in case of a, a polygon mesh um, in this case, we would have a surface in the 3D space. Uh, once we have the 3D model, of course, we can, uh, we, are, we are pretty much done because we can rotate, we can uh, move around the 3D model, uh, we can even augment uh, that model with additional information and uh, uh, eventually, you know, take decisions for that particular vehicle or robot that is uh, using that uh, particular estimation. So what happens to the first step? So what is the model, in fact, that allows us to, um, you know, uh, estimate the depth? And uh, uh, here there is an interesting paper. Um, I will report, of course, the uh, link, uh, well, the title and link uh, to the paper um, on the archive, the usual place where you find paper with code. Uh, the paper goes under the name of Global Local Path Networks for Monocular Depth Estimation with Vertical Cut Depth. It's a pretty long title, but uh, essentially what it does it's, um, is um, indeed uh, estimating the depth from a, an input image, where the input image is exactly what we said, an RGB image. So it's a regular image that we are used to deal with whenever we are on a webcam or uh, a, a camera in general. Now, how does this model look like? Well, this model is relatively complex in the sense that, you know, it has a certain number of layers. I don't want to enter too much in details because the paper does a great job explaining how uh, is, you know, what is the topology of this model. But essentially, you know, high uh, level explanation of this model is uh, it's an encoder decoder uh, decoder model. Right? So very similar to the ones that we have always been talking about when it comes to transformers, uh, which is a model that takes an input image, it starts encoding, usually uh, there are uh, several blocks of encoding, uh, in this case I think four, um, and uh, essentially it encodes um, the initial the input image into an encoded version uh, of the image um, and uh, doing some sort of, uh, let's say, uh, downsampling uh, of the image and uh, feature extraction um, until the end of the encoding phase uh, where we start uh, the so-called decoding phase and usually that goes together with an upsampling uh, step uh, where we take you know lower dimensional features uh, that are pumped up back to uh, you know to the uh, to the depth map which has a dimension that is similar to the input image so we uh, would have as an output a one-to-one, -one, let's say, mapping between the input pixel uh, and the output depth or estimated depth. Now, uh, you might be asking, uh, how do we train these networks? What kind of data do we use? Because, you know, that's kind of the question that I asked myself. How do you know uh, what is the depth, you know, when you look at images, uh, unless you have a, a device that is telling you that? Uh, well, and essentially, that's exactly what the authors did. Um, they used, um, you know, in a training set that was, in fact, containing that information, the information of depth. Uh, and so that 
training set was essentially what the model tuned its parameters on. Uh, so images acquired by, for example, a um, so-called Microsoft Kinect camera, uh, which is a, a depth camera, so an RGBD camera, um, that also measures the, the the third component, the fourth component, in fact, of the of an image, which is the the depth. Uh, so we measure that in hardware, um, and then of course we generate a training data set in which we we have uh, pairs like. Uh, RGB images uh, as input and uh, uh, RGBD or the depth map measured by the device uh, as output. And then the rest is uh, what we already know. This is a, a supervised way of training a network. We know uh, the input, we know the output, and we start tuning the parameters uh, to predict the output from the inputs, you know, as simple as that. Um, so the authors have been doing this on uh, something like 24,000 images. Uh, of course, there is a lot of tricks that one can use, uh, for example, uh, you know, using rotations and uh, uh, annotating the images or uh, slightly perturbing the input in order to increase the robustness of the model. Uh, these are all tricks that, to be honest with you, uh, we already knew and they have been applied many, many times for several tasks in computer vision, um, for example, object recognition tasks, um, or uh, scene description uh, that we also covered on this show uh, in several episodes in the past. Is this method worth it? Uh, I uh, have tried this method myself uh, because on Hugging Face one can uh, download and uh, get ready to use with the GLPN model um, out of the box. Uh, of course, it's a pre-trained model, so you know it's, it's it has been trained on images that are of a particular domain. So don't expect to, you know try to break the model with uh, uh, images that were probably out of the training set at uh, during training time. In all these cases, of course, the model will not perform. Um, I would say that the model as is, um, is pretty limited, of course, because it depends pretty much on the uh, training set. It has been, uh, uh, you know, its parameters have been tuned, but I consider the methodology very valid uh, due to the fact that, um, you know, one can retrain the model for images in a particular domain. Um, and so you might think of, for example, a robot that is moving in an urban area uh, and therefore retrain or tune the model, uh, you know, with those, with images that kind of belong to that particular uh, scenario or the, the typical scenario in which uh, this model would be operating. So, you know, this is kind of something that we definitely would like to consider, uh, you know, the fact that uh, not all models when, you know, when they claim the accuracy that they claim, uh, you know, that, ac that accuracy is definitely not guaranteed to work across uh, domains or across sectors or, uh, you know, in all possible scenarios. Um, that's usually never the case. You know, this is an academic uh, work. Um, there is a paper about it. There is code that does the job. Um, of course, you know, covering all possible scenarios, all possible uh, type of images and calculating, you know, perfectly estimating the depth is something that definitely goes beyond this, uh, this particular work. Um, but definitely retraining the things for your particular use case is something that I would definitely do. Now, uh, one might say, okay, but uh, I can come, uh, I can just purchase an RGBD camera and uh, 
and rest in peace. Uh, yes, you can, but as I said at the beginning of this show, uh, that's a, a kind of a, a luxury that not everybody can afford. Uh, many times your drone slash robot slash humanoid, whatever, uh, has very limited capabilities. Also, uh, there are very big constraints in terms of the payload that a particular robot can carry in that particular situation. Think about you know, these very small drones that um, are already loaded with a battery uh, plus a compute unit plus some other sensors and other PCBs and other, other boards that, that the robot needs to, to sense the, the environment around, not to mention, the, of course, the, the, the motors, the servo motors and the, uh, the autopilot and the, the actuators and all that stuff, right? So, plus the robot itself. Uh, that depends pretty much on the geometry and the structure of the robot, the material you're using, and so on and so forth. So, you know, in these situations, uh, you really want to put your robot on a diet when it comes to payload. And uh, if there are things that you can do in software uh, for which there is, an, let's say, an acceptable quality of the result or of the estimation, uh, well, you better do that in software. Uh, of course, there might be additional price to pay in terms of, for example, battery drainage, uh, but that's a different story. The fact that you can do that in software is already a big plus. Uh, now, I also tried this model and tried to understand uh, how long would it take to, uh, let's say, process an RGB image and uh, give me the result, the final result, which is the uh, estimated map, depth map. Uh, it can be slow. Now, I want to say that uh, there is no optimization uh, that I've performed, absolutely not. But um, the fact that I downloaded the model, I could do just you know five minutes literally uh, download the model put it in memory feed an image from a webcam uh, though with a relatively high resolution and it did a, a pretty decent job you know it's something that uh, it's definitely worth some attention now if you start uh, considering uh, model quantization uh, plus uh, all the optimization due to, for example, the choice of the of the library of the um, you know replacement of the all the Python uh, scripts that I've used with something that is like more optimized for a particular uh, architecture for a particular uh, target uh, hardware. Uh, well, I believe that there is a lot of room for improvement there, um, and you know when it comes to robotics, one definitely wants to. Uh, undergo these optimization steps uh, so definitely nor mm, the authors nor myself have a uh, let's say an idea of what would it take in terms of you know wall clock time in terms of seconds uh, given a particular image um, and uh, of a particular resolution we cannot say that um, but definitely what we can say is that there is a lot of room for improvement when it comes to the preliminary results which on my computer were running approximately below the 10 seconds per frame that's it for today i hope you enjoyed the show i'll talk to you next time you've been listening to data science at home podcast be sure to subscribe on itunes stitcher or podbean to get new fresh episodes for more please follow us on instagram twitter and facebook or visit our website at datascienceathome.com